All right, here we go. Welcome to Breaking the so Panel. We're talking now, about, right? I was watching for you. <laughs> I saw you coming, you little ninja. I knew you were going to try to do that crap. Chris, why don't you intro the show? Why don't you, why don't you intro the show? They know what, what they're watching. They came here for this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Breaking yeah, the Panel. Breaking the Panel. Where we talk about all the awesome sauce and sometimes the not so awesome sauce that happens in the world of fandom. I am the rock out of podcasting, Charles McFall. That uh, little troll you hear is Chris Wisdom. I am here. The big troll you haven't heard yet is Paul Klotz. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the man who may be podcasting from prison next week, Philip Keating. Hey, yes, I'm going to bring uh, Podcasting 101 to the local Shippensburg community prison. Really help help the guys take their minds off stabbing. That Okay, now I want that show. I want to hear the documentary podcast of how you went to this prison to teach the podcasting. And have crazy shenanigans happen. It's like the office in prison. Yeah, didn't they try that with Zach Braff? I, I don't think I don't, it worked out that well. Oh, that, that show was never about podcasting. That was, mm. But uh, talking about some not-so-awesome sauce stuff that happens, uh, Martin Scorsese, who did back, originally at least, back the Joker, uh, has come out and, and has been very uh, adamant about Marvel films are not cinema. What, what dictates I mean, we can all agree. Scorsese films are in a league of their own, right? They're, you know what you're going to get when you hear this is a Martin Scorsese film. Well, y- yep. Yep. <laughs> but does that dictate, can, can he say, well, Marvel superhero films? I mean, I know he can't, but I'm just saying, is there any kind of link that says, well, maybe he has a point, maybe he doesn't, or is he just full of shit? Well, so the further context here is he, uh, he went on to elaborate and compare them to a theme park. And he basically says that, you know, these these superhero films are not cinema. They're not like thought provoking, emotional, emotion provoking narratives. They're just, you know, theme park thrills. And uh, quite frankly, a lot of people, a a lot of his uh, peers or maybe not peers, peers might not be the right way to put it, but. A lot of people who work in the industry and make films that have worked for Marvel and other comic companies uh, who see him as a mentor and a an idol, if you will, like a a legend of the industry, uh, they disagree and they're they're kind of hurt by his comments. Yeah. But, uh, so we've talked about like the whole the gatekeeping that goes on between the old guard in Hollywood and what has happened like the sea change that has gone on in the last decade or so and you're seeing the classic auteurs are raging against the machine if you will they're raging against the changing culture of what the cinema is and what people go to the movie theater to watch because quite frankly their projects are not getting financed as much their projects are not getting watched as much you know, people aren't tripping over themselves to go see the latest Martin Scorsese film in the theater like they are to go see the latest Marvel film. Yeah. And so I my my first hot take is I think it's sour grapes. You know, 
it's the same thing we talked about when James Cameron said something similar. It's the same thing we've talked about when you look at the various uh, academies and guilds and groups that all have this really bougie look at how at what art is and what cinema is and what the the theater experience is supposed to be like and and all of that and quite frankly you know they might be speaking from a place of experience on a snapshot of 20 years ago but they're not their views aren't representing the modern audience not by a long shot i mean anybody else got some hot takes here I mean, uh, that, go ahead, Chris. No, no, I was gonna say in a minute. Give me. I'll give you a minute. Okay. Um, I'll be honest with you, man. I saw The Godfather. I didn't get what the big deal was. I mean, it's good. It was good style of cinematography. Shut up, Phil. <laughs> Phil. It's Phil. not a Scorsese movie, you fucking idiot. Who did The Godfather? Oh my god. That was a that was a that was a Coppola. <laughs> that's that's Fresh Okay. Yeah. Well, the then Scorsese didn't get this. Dumb motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus. Well, Christ, that's a good point. That I didn't get it. What about what about what about um, fuck. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was a state trooper. Uh, fucking uh, Marky Mark's in it. Uh, the Departed. The Departed. That's Scorsese. Yep. Yes. Okay, that was solid. I love that fucking Gang, film. Gangs in New York is Scorsese. Goodfellas. Good. See, okay, come on, Phil. Goodfellas and Godfather. You Same genre. You stupid motherfucker. You, you're, dumb, mother- you you're walk- dumb motherfucker. You're walking me up to the door of my chief argument against Martin Scorsese. And- oh, what? That he does his own superhero movies, but just put gangster hats on them? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That was, I mean, that's basically my response. Like, I if 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 Marty and I talk about him like I know him, <laughs> standing right in front of me, I would be like, every fucking one of your movies is the same shtick. It's all gangsters in a different slice of time. Like you you put you put Leonardo DiCaprio in old timey clothes, and suddenly your films are high art. Why? What are the central themes of your 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 stories? Family, Smashing heads, camaraderie, yeah. honor, honor among thieves. It, 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 you know, it's your dr- drama points are all people being thrust together and the chaos that ensues. What are the central themes of comic book films? Family, <laughs> honor, sometimes honor among thieves, being thrust together and seeing the conflict and how it all resolves itself. Like, I, I, I just, I don't think, I don't get why it's suddenly high art if we put. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio, or oh God, I'm blanking on his name. The the, the method actor. Oh shit! Uh, I can see him last. Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. If we put them in old timey clothes and they affect an old accent compared to putting Robert Downey Jr. in a CGI suit of armor, right? Why does that make your film high art and this other thing trash? Because that's kind of what he's saying. He's politely saying these films are garbage. And then it's not fair that they're taking all these box office dollars. Boo hoo! I mean, if we if we we put uh, Ray Liotta as Jigsaw, would that work for Scorsese? <laughs> I'm just, no. I mean, I, Chris, I, I'm with you. Just jump in, man. So, now, so I just from an article back in 2017. I just want to read a quote. Now you can see you can see a film on an iPad. He continued. You might be able to push it closer to your face in your bedroom. Just lock the door and look at it if you can. 
<clears throat> but I do mind just glimpsing stuff here or there. Even watching a film at home on a big screen TV, there's still stuff around the there's still stuff around the room. There's a phone that rings, people go by, it's not the best way. Okay. So two years ago, and, and coincidentally, it's like the this quote comes out the day before he signs to do the Irishman with Netflix. He's shitting on the streaming model. Yep. So Well, okay. The- I'll play devil's advocate for that. He's not wrong. There is something to say about the big screen theater experience with the low lights and, oh, wait, no, motherfucker's talking to the theater and I have to yell at him all the time. Never mind. No, <laughs> absolutely. Like, there's a preferred way to see it, but don't shit on the platform and then jump to the platform because Paramount's like, your money doesn't make enough cheddar. We're not going to bankroll it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. if this is if, you, if you're going to pick a side of the line to stand on, tow it. Because now you're in this discussion about what what constitutes cinema, and I don't necessarily have any faith in the 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 your conviction now mm-hmm. when you take when you take a hard line like that. And that's yeah that that was another point I was going to make is you know he he's talking about what is cinema, and his latest film is distributed by Netflix, which all of these guilds and awards uh, festivals and everything under the sun is saying no, that's not actual cinema. Streaming services are not true production companies, which doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) Why does it matter if the office that's over there and the office that's across the street or down the road over there, that one of them pushes films out in the movie theaters first and the other one pushes out to like one or two movie theaters to be considered for awards and then puts it out on a streaming platform. And And if you have his film. His film, The Irishman, was put in one theater in New York City to be in consideration for a fucking award. Yeah, and and, and <laughs> sorry, go ahead. And if you have all the awards, but you make no money back on your film, what does that do for for the filmmakers? I mean, it's business is business. You have to make money, and I mean, I'm not saying you have to make a billion dollars in every film you make, but if you've got if your film costs. A million dollars to make, and you want awards for it, and it only box office at five hundred thousand. You just hurt a whole lot of people. Well, and Marty has always struggled to get his films greenlit because he spends big budget money, but he brings he makes award bait every time. Yeah, but he doesn't ever win them. Well, then that was the other thing is he never won well, for whatever. He's reason. just a master baiter, Philip. Come on. <laughs> But I mean, that's like, so your, your art films that the average studio produces are usually like $30 million budgets, $40 million budgets, like shoestring budgets comparatively. Like you, you, there's a certain amount of money you have to spend to make a feature film. And most art films are towing as close to that as humanly possible. Cause they just don't have the, the funding. Marty Scorsese is making big budget, high production value films that are bringing in art film revenue. And that's why nobody wants to give him any money because, and he wasn't winning the awards either. So now I keep mentioning him with the Joker. Now a lot of articles are going how he paved the way for Joker and Joker arguably has some of that cinematography effect that you see in some of the Scorsese films with the cuts and the everything else. But I just pulled this article because I had to back myself up a while back about how he originally was a producer. And the article is titled, Martin Scorsese quietly left the Joker movie. I'm not going to read the whole thing or even most of it. Just he was a producer on the film and just backed out quietly to go shoot The Irishman, which Uh is a DC Comics film. I did not know that. I just read that here in the article. So it's like you are putting your money behind. Now, I give you, 
Joker was not Ant-Man. Okay, it wasn't mm-hmm. colorful and, and hilarity. It, it had a very dark and serious tone the whole time. And maybe that's what originally he wanted to set off doing, but you're still making a DC film, which for semantics set aside, is the same thing as making a Marvel film. It's a superhero film or a super villain or a villain <clears throat> film, however you want to put it. It's in that Comic world. Comic book movie. Comic book movie. Thank you. Um, I'm with you, Chris. It, it's a little... I don't know, man. It's just dumb. And look at, at me. It's ingenuous. At least in, disingenuous. Is, we went through this with uh, uh, Spielberg, right, Philip? Well, we did, right before he signed his deal with Apple. Yes. But, I mean, and now I was going to say that earlier, too, is that's, that's, that's another problem with his opinion is because now you're not just putting, you're not just putting uh, Scorsese at odds with, you know, these Marvel movies. Like, you're essentially putting them putting him at odds with his peers because George Lucas, several several Spielberg movies, I mean, could very easily be looked upon as nothing more than theme parks. Theme parks, right? Yeah, we're all I mean, so, the so worlds. Is, is uh, he saying that those aren't cinema or is he yeah. saying that oh, no, no, just anything past Iron Man isn't cinema? He's also uh, falling into the trap that has classically plagued this industry. Like throughout all of history, you you've always had these gatekeepers in filmmaking that are like, "That's not cinema. That's not art." So, like when when we saw the rise of science fiction or fantasy films, you had people saying, "That's not art. That's not cinema." So the Star Trek films and the Star Wars films, those aren't cinema. Uh, when we got around to Jurassic Park. Spielberg, most of Spielberg's work. If you would ask people 40 years ago what they thought of Spielberg's work, they'd be like, that's not cinema. Uh, the old guard at the time. Yeah. Oh, that's that's not that's not high class. You don't even you don't even see the antagonist through most of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it, it, you're somebody's always going after the, the hottest thing on the market. The thing that is starting to carve out its own corner of the market. And Honestly, they're doing it out of self-interest. They're doing it because it's taking away from them. It's taking audience and funding away from them, and they're bitter about it. And it's like, it's all sour grapes. His last movie, Scorsese's, Silence. Anybody hear this? Anybody go see this? No. It's a 2006 movie, or 2016 movie, starring Andrew Garfield. (laughs) It didn't even pass its budget. It made $23 million back. And that's exactly why this is happening right now. Because what we've been saying is that he is upset that he's not getting his big payout like he was before. Yeah. Because, you know, you look at something bigger like The Wolf of Wall Street, which was a hit. That's a great movie. It, it certainly is. But, like, you know, he's just that, that was also in 2013. Yeah. It was six years ago, and he hasn't had a movie make a make a profit since six you know since six years. It's just it's it's also just a very clumsy statement. Mm-hmm. And, and continue. I was going to say the worst part is he doubled down on it. I know because even though I don't like some people's music, it's still music. Mm-hmm. You know, it, just because I don't like it. Doesn't delegitimize that? That's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Welcome to the fall hour. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's it doesn't take away that 
you know, they still put their heart and soul into that music and somebody out there enjoys it, you know. And honestly, it doesn't take it away that they make millions of dollars, you know. And yes, you can make a ton of money and not have it be art, but art is in the eyes of the beholder. Correct. Right? Correct. This is a thing that comes up, as uh, Philip mentioned, it happens in music. Like, for example, nowadays it's the thing to shit on, like, trap music and SoundCloud rappers and all that stuff. I don't care for that music, but it's still music. You know, just because music has become democratized doesn't mean that that it's not still art. It's somebody creating. It's somebody being creative. You know. Uh, it, now that dubstep and Amazing Spider-Man Two is your favorite part. <laughs> no. uh, but similarly, uh, you know, you see it in in actual art, in like illustration. Uh, fine art schools all around the world will tell you that illustration is not art. That that is that is just capitalist garbage and except the thing is illustration affects way more people than quote-unquote fine art does nowadays illustration hits more eyes makes way more money and if somebody's going to school to get an education to build a life they're going to make way more money and have way more opportunities on average if they're doing illustration for like video games and movies and you who knows what's up what else than they are if they're doing you know, yet another landscape or yet another still life. Mm. Oh, look at how fine their brushstrokes are. Like, nobody gives a fuck anymore. It's such a niche industry, and it's a niche industry that is it's completely propped up by the people who are already invested in it. And I think that's the same thing that's going on here with Hollywood. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The people who keep making these public statements about this stuff are the people who are getting hurt in the wallet the most. They're the people who aren't getting the funding. They're the people who aren't making the money. They're the people who were the hottest thing on the tip of everybody's tongue 20 years ago, but they're not anymore. And they're bitter about it and they feel slighted. And it's like, but you were once the person who was doing that to someone else. You know? Yeah. You were the disruptor. What's interesting is this is absolutely a philosophical conversation that he's having because you look at the definition of cinema motion picture usually uh, i'm not gonna read that word a motion picture theater movies especially the film industry the art or technique of making motion pictures that's it so by definition everything that is made i know a motion picture is cinema so now he's talking about philosophy you can't be wrong right in that you can have your opinion and debate it all day long. And, and Paul, you said it. You said it. He was the disruptor at one point. Now he's not, and he can't get his movies made. And if, yeah. If we could go back in time, I'm sure that the stage actors and playwrights raged against the silent films as they emerged and said, that's not art. That's not acting. That's not performance. And I guarantee you that when the films would sound, emerged the silent film actors and filmmakers were like that's not art either and it's it's just the dinosaurs getting rolled over by the meteor and they hate it nobody wants to get burnt to a crisp and that's what's happening in my you you watch logan in black and white and you tell me that that's not a goddamn piece of art that's not cinema you know i love logan a lot everybody knows this but I recently unwrapped that Blu-ray and popped it in on the black and white mo- mode, and it was, it was a completely different film. Mm. It was heavier. 
how can that movie get heavier? You deplete it of color. Mm. And it really becomes a piece of a moving, living art. And, and what did our boy Spielberg do 20 years ago with Schindler's List? Yeah. He put it in black and white to make it heavier. Yep. With a shade of red. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. Uh, what is Taika? So, uh, I've seen the headlines here. Kevin Smith fights back. Taika uh, Kevin, fights back. Kevin Smith defends, you know, the, the Marvel movies. Uh, Taika, uh, Taika and James Gunn both kind of came from the same perspective where they were both like they were hurt. That's somebody that they respect as much as Martin Scorsese would say this. And but like Taika was like, it's absolutely cinema. If, it, if it's a film, it's a film. You know, like he was just like, no, it's a film. And it's these. It, I keep circling back around to just dump on Marty here. But like if you look at Marty's work and then you look at the Marvel films, the biggest thing you could criticize both groups of films is that they have this a, a central shtick that is always their MO. Right. And Marty has it too. He tells gangster stories. That's all literally every single fucking one of his movies is about crime drama in some way, shape or form. Even Wolf of Wall Street, which doesn't sound like it. No, it's, it's about a dude who committed crimes yeah. and the people surrounding him. And it's, it's always about finding the human stories and the, the stories about family and, and relationships and connections in the midst of crime. And he, if, why can this man not sit down and look at something that, yes, does have like 60% CGI spectacle? I, I admit that. Why can you not see the same narrative threads that you weave throughout your gangster films in superhero films? Like, I just don't get it. Why do you have to take away from somebody else because you perceive that they're taking away from you? Exactly. It's that tearing down of others that, I mean, it's, you know... Mm-hmm. A rising tide lifts all ships, right? So why are we? Well, but that's not what's happening. Unfortunately, yeah, I get like where they're coming from. The rising tide is washing guys like Scorsese and Spielberg and Cameron ashore. But perhaps yeah, yeah. their time maybe, is maybe, done. No, but maybe, maybe in one, maybe in one venue in the theater. But again, there's other venues with which sure. to show your movie, and you have a far greater penetration, especially opening day weekend going to netflix than you do nationwide in a in a in a traditional theatrical release can you so, imagine et the series on disney plus or netflix done by spielberg it was like three days what are you gonna make the series of? you can go you can <laughs> dude he made a ride out of it that did even longer i'm just saying you could how they make it shut up chris <laughs> fucking go back to the desert um but you know, you know what I'm saying is is you're I'm talking about those mediums. You have a better, different way to tell the story. You're not locked into what now is roughly three hours. You can go up to three hours without people balking at a film. Yeah, two you're not, three hours. Yeah, you're not locked into two and a half, three hours of screen time. You can do it in thirteen hours. Why are all the best stories going to television? Let's be real. Well, they're not even television, right? Streaming. Well, just but what I'm just saying the the episodic format, you know. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because you can take eight to ten hours to tell a much more vivid and vibrant story than you can tell in two and a half hours or three hours, and you can do all your characters justice and give them all moments to shine, and then you can come back and do it again next year 
and people will eat it up and people love it and it enriches people's lives look what just happened with uh breaking bad i haven't seen it yet but oh, you know, it's, oh, it, yes people are are singing its praise i in the uh in the game of Ro- game of thrones uh meme subreddit free folk they oh, were <laughs> they were mocking uh 2d about how vince gilligan comes back years later just to show them that you can do it right you can pick up your old <laughs> shit and do it right and still still respect what you worked on before because that's what everybody's saying is el camino is this beautiful continuation mm. of the story that also doesn't ruin it in any way no it's just, it, it just adds yeah. to the legend and yeah, yeah so i guess that kind of leads us into this next topic a little bit the uh I don't know who brought this. Charles, is this you? No, no I, I only bring movie pass to the table. Yeah. That's yeah, all I bring when it's movie related. Well, for now, movie pass is looking its wounds and yeah. health. So. Yeah. Get, yeah. <laughs> no, the, the AMC rental. So I just, uh, article popped up on, uh, on fandom.com. I was looking at, and you can, right now, there's not a separate app. You get it through your AMC Stubbs app. And if you, if you become an AMC Stubbs member at the free level, you can you can stream these movies and i was just looking up it's nothing that's like super new release uh toy story 4 uh and uh the latest uh hobbs and shaw i think were the and lion king were the three newest movies i saw holy you, shit you can stream those right now on the amc stubs app for five 5.99 gets you the movie you have it for 30 days once you've started it you have 48 hours 48 hours to finish it and if you want to buy, I don't know why you would buy it through that app, but you can. And there's no difference in the price between uh, high def and standard def. It's five ninety nine to rent, nineteen ninety nine to buy. Yeah. And uh, that's... Well, that's that's not that surprising because all three of those movies just came out this week. To what? So, uh huh? Came out to did, Blu-ray. Did to they... Blu-ray this week. Okay. I didn't so, know like, that. So like, I could have just easily go to the Redbox and get them for a buck, or turn yeah. on my Roku and rent them. From, no, but I think you know, so. Voodoo or somewhere, I, yeah. Yeah, no, no, and that's. I think though that's a good toe step into the marketplace to see if we're going to finally start getting something that a lot of people have been wanting for a while, is something closer to a theatrical release to the home market without paying that. W- and that was all right. done by by uh, by production company, right, or studio. Like you, you had to get a separate one for Sony, and you were still paying like sixty bucks on you know for an opening weekend movie. Or something like that, if you could get it. And I, th- I think each of the studios had their own their own app or whatever that used to be able to do that through. I don't know, yeah. know any. I don't know of anybody that did several studios under one banner. Um, I, the thing that the thing that I just continue to don't understand is why do the production companies continue to worry about this middleman that are, is the theater industry? Why aren't they just taking their films directly to? And we saw it last year. Was it Rampage? I think it was. Yeah, the Rampage movie. Um, that was streamable at the same time that it was out in theaters. It was like a real test move by the company that put it out. There's been a and few, appar- yeah. Apparently a whole bunch of people rented it that way. They were like, yeah, I want to see this. It looks fun. It's got Dwayne Johnson in it. Didn't they do that with Jumanji as well? I think so. Yeah. It might, it might be so a rock the- thing. All the Walmart tie-in movies is what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and that might be it. It might, it might be, be yeah. the, it might yeah. be something as simple as because it maybe the rentals were available through uh, Voodoo there. Yeah. Um, it, it's the money is money, right? So, like, if you're AMC, if you're anybody, 
you know, do you, why would you not take revenue where you could get it? Now, I don't know how the split is done, so it might end up being closer to even after you split it with the the theater and pay shipping costs, whatever. You take care of your costs. But if you think about it, so I went and saw Adam's family with the, the family this weekend, which I'm, I am so fucking done going to the theater. I just hate it now. I just can't get a good experience. But you had six of us. Now, the local theater, there's two of them. There's an AMC, and then there's this independent-ish one. I mean, they have like 10 different theaters across the eastern seaboard, but they're not a big chain like AMC. The the independent one, $5 all the time movies right now. It's through September, and now they're doing the fall, so it looks like it's going to go through the end of November, possibly. Um, you pay $5 to, get, to go see the film. Well, that's six of us. Uh, what is that? 30 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Give or take. Um, so you get Thirty dollars from us split with the theater versus what was it to rent one of those? Was it the same like five dollars or was it ten fifteen dollars? Well, so by st- the ones that they used to have, they were like sixty bucks per. But that's fine because that's you're getting all of that as the studio and I as the consumer. Well, I'm sixty. Happy I probably I don't know if I still put sixty down, but I thought I, for I the thought whole family to watch though for the whole family. Like you yeah. get to watch it in the comfort of your own home. You Maybe get to have your own pop. You're not. Whatever you're not spending on, on the concessions, concessions you, make, you know, that's the, the price. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, you might be right. I, and I don't know. So I don't have it in front of me to, to find what the cost is. But I think that's what it comes down to yeah. is you're getting a one-time payment of X amount of money that not necessarily goes all the way to – because somebody's got to get their cut, right? Voodoo, movies anywhere, iTunes, whoever you rent it from gets their cut. But <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, it used to be studios used to yeah. have their own that you could go through. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah. to get the new release ones, yes, yeah, so I don't I, know. I, the other side, the other side of it too, is the dry, the, the 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 drastic drop in prices of, of audio video technology. I mean, even the high end TVs today, the the UHDs and the uh-huh. OLEDs, uh-huh. for the big screen prices, they are still half, if not a quarter, of the price that they would have been, the comparable technology would have been ten years ago. Like a seven a seventy five yeah. inch LED TV when it first came out was a ten thousand dollar television. Yeah, mm-hmm. you fucking forget about it. But now an OLED at seventy five at seventy five inches is two five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I'm not saying that's a small amount, but that that tech that that money has come down quick, and you mm-hmm. see the turnaround year after year. Those prices drop quick. LEDs at a fifty five inch range at five hundred or less. Come on, and that's on that's regular pricing. That's not even Black Friday considerations. Let's go into Target and walk out with a 55-inch LED TV, yeah. even smart TV in some cases, for $596. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one that's on my wall now that I, I think is a decent brand. I can't remember. I didn't go, like, name brand or anything. But it, we did some holiday sale uh, towards Christmas, and 500 bucks. We went yeah. from a 40-inch to, like, a 55, 60-inch. I forget exactly what. With, with HD or um, UHD and all that jazz on it. And Roku and even, built in. Yeah, and these days, you, it, it's it's not a matter of, like, trying to decide. You know, if if you're a name brand shopper, you're not like, well, do I want the Vizio for the value or do I want to get my Samsung? Because Samsung's got those prices. LG's got those prices. Yeah. Sony has those prices. It's not it, – there's not really a gateway to, right. to levels anymore. And so, I mean, that, that all informs it because it used to be about, yeah, I can watch it at home, but I'm watching it on – you know, a 35 inch screen and it's my, you know, my living room and I don't have the best sound quality, but now you can get all of that mm-hmm. with minimal investment. 
and have it for everything that you watch. Which is why and, theaters have gone to all these specialty things. Of course, IMAX. You got the Dolby theaters. You got now the they revamp them all to have the recliners, and you hit the button, they bring you popcorn. They're having to do something to make it that experience to go out. And they're just not doing that in my area. Well, and that's why they're in there also. I mean, Tony brought it up in, in the chat and he's right. Like I said, I think my I think at least the local theater here is doing it. I was thinking the AMCs in Kansas City have been doing it for a while, showing sport sporting events. So maybe it was always that they've been showing bigger games like World Series and Super Bowl and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Or even NFC, AFC championships, maybe not Super Bowl. But I mean showing regular games. <clears throat> yeah. Because I, I can't imagine they're charging a lot during the summer. They all do their uh you know the kids' movie stuff. Yep, stuff like that. Well, it could it just possibly be that the production companies are scared to take that jump and screw over a major chain of of cinema. You know, because if they if they decide not to go into let's say the cinemas and they go out on venture and, and try to go right to streaming and it doesn't work out, you think the cinemas are going to be like, no, you're right, come back, come yeah. back to us. If it's Disney. Yeah, absolutely, I do. <laughs> yeah, but if it's Disney, yeah, that's one thing. But if if it's if it's not, no, you're gonna need a big boy like Disney or. or there's only know. like three. There's only like three conglomerates now anymore. Like you have your art house underneath the big banner, but yeah, sure. I, mean, I mean, so yeah, because you're not gonna get. Oh, you don't want Lionsgate to come in? Well, you're not gonna get Disney movies either. Type of deal, you know. It's. I mean, it's you're not wrong. Inter- well, well, no, no. I guess it would be interesting to see actually now that you bring that up, what Disney is gonna do. Well, Disney's been shooting themselves in the foot the last couple of years because they keep increasing the percentage that they want to take and the amount of time that you have to keep, you know, the, the percentage of movie theaters in your your establishment that have to show the, show the major release, how long it has to be in that theater. And we talked about it a couple of years ago, how like local theaters that only have two screens, how the fuck are they supposed to support Star Wars for six weeks in a row and not being able to show anything else because that's all they can afford to get, you know, a town yeah. of 4,000 people only going to watch Star Wars so many times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's it's going to be interesting to see where they go. When you first read this about AFC uh pre-show, I thought I didn't realize uh, like Hobbs and Shaw had hit to where I could go to Redbox and get it right now. You know, yeah, I, I thought I thought this was going to be like, oh, ahead of the game. If I go to AMC's app, I can watch movies that were literally in the theater last weekend and you won't get it and if you don't go, if you go anywhere else, you won't get it for another month. But that's not what you're saying, Phil, right? You're saying that all the movies you can get. The, the three that he just named, yeah. The it's, Toy Story 4, sh- Shops and Halls, and, and it's, it's Mega Man. It's just a rental, and the, the $6 for the rental is on par with any of the other services. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Chris, you're like, I don't know why you'd buy it through their app. Uh, it's Impulse Buy. So you watch The Lion King with your kid. Or your girlfriend or whatever, and they're like, oh, I want to watch it again, and I want to watch it again. Finally, you just spend 20 bucks, and I'll shut up and watch it. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. If AMC or anybody like AMC wants to do these rentals and then tie them into their their movie pass-esque programs and be like, you get a free rental every yeah. month, or you get – or if you have like a points reward system where like, oh, yeah, you know – because you're a, a subscriber for our movie pass thing you get. And then if every rental you get, you get something else, you know, it, it's do, do the airline miles thing. You know what I mean? Like th- there's a reason why stuff like that works because people like accruing. Yeah. Something, you and know you what I mean? You do earn stubs points through it. Right. So there so, you go. 
that's perfect. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, yeah, that, and that incentivizes them to use the AMC app over say Apple oh, or yeah. Google or whoever, or Amazon, which is going to be similarly priced because now they're getting a kickback on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My default is to go to movies anywhere. And, and whenever the rare occasion my wife is like, why don't you just pull something out and let's rent something tonight, you know? But if, if I know I can put in my Stubbs rewards number and earn money towards the theater by renting this film, mm -hmm. then I'll, I will choose AMC over the other apps for that. You're absolutely right. So that yeah. that's the thing. Uh, this next one is uh, staying on the, the kind of that topic of movies and Marvel and all, how it all ties together. Uh, Kevin Feige is rethinking Marvel comic books. Again, Chris, I think he dug, uh, dug this one out. Yeah, he got named the uh, chief creative officer of, of Marvel Entertainment. So now he encompasses more than just the, the movies and television. So we knew he was, he was transitioning over the television side and he was going to knock uh, Jeff Loeb, crotchety old Jeff Loeb, off of uh, off the pedestal there, but he is now in creative control. Uh, creative decisions go through him. Like they're still going to have the publishers. They're still going to have that hierarchy of publishers and editors over on the comic book side, but they no longer answer Perlmutter. Perlmutter now essentially is put out the pasture. Operation. He, well, he no he, he he's he's still operations, but he's not in, in not in creative side anymore. So now creative creative decisions are going to be headed by Feige. And then they'll decide, I guess, how how that'll interact with uh, with Perlmutter. Um, and I'm sure at any point, if Perlmutter, you know, tries to start uh, telling people how many squares of toilet paper they can use again, that that'll <laughs> <laughs> that won't go well for him. So yeah. let's address the Perlmutter thing, the, the elephant in the room. Why is Disney keeping Perlmutter around? It has got. To something in the contract so i don't know what his contract looks like it's got to be some it's sort got, of legacy yeah. thing that they didn't they they didn't address when they bought marvel because they're doing the the very obvious we're slowly carving away all of your responsibility you know what i mean like we're taking mm. we're taking all the things that answer to you away piece by piece so that you're slowly becoming isolated it's the same sort of thing that they do in like <laughs> retail when they cut you down to one shift a week <laughs> every other week until you just quit on your own <laughs> um, it's it's interesting because it's it's very clear that Perlmutter is a problem, and is not on board with the new Marvel, the new vision of Marvel. And uh, but maybe perhaps you know you're talking about him being operations. We know that he's got a tight coin purse. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he is he's a very very strict fiscal executive. So perhaps there's a benefit to having him continue to be that way maybe they're they're getting paid dividends on his frugality mm -hmm. but creatively he's just a dead a complete dead end yeah because i mean he was the biggest he was the biggest roadblock to getting uh captain marvel and black black panther made he didn't mm -hmm. think diverse movies would sell and ooh, black panther punched him in the mouth <laughs> <laughs> uh i mean it might not just be a contract thing maybe he knows where the bodies are buried you know um, and and you might be right, Klotz. Uh, maybe he's just still pulled it up. But at some point, and I think we're starting to see that publicly. At some point, that shifts from "Why well, saved you a billion dollars this year?" Okay, yeah, but Feige made us eight billion with these kind of decisions. So saving us is not the same as bringing it in. But they both work together. 
Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah. Because uh, I mean, I, Paul's right. I mean, Ike deserved some credit for keeping that Marvel ship afloat. You know, in the '90s when they didn't just go completely belly up i mean they were selling off movie rights and stuff to to do that but they had in that time they were able to acquire toy biz to become their you know their in-house merchandising producer and still be be solvent enough to not just go under and lose everything to you know quite possibly warner brothers yeah i i I think that it's just become clear that feige is the the new king of ideas and that they well, he's the he's the Jeff Johns, right? Except Marvel mm-hmm. is smart enough to empower their mm-hmm. Jeff Johns rather than hinder him. Yeah. And because uh, he is, say what you will about the individual MCU films, as a complete narrative force, they're pretty cohesive. You know, mm-hmm. there's a reason why these most recent films are some of the most successful films of all time. So he knows how to weave a narrative and work with tons of different people of very different walks of life and perspectives and creative processes. You know what I mean? So it, it's, yeah. I think we're, I think we're coming into a new golden era, man. I think Feige's the man. I think he's everything that George Lucas was supposed to be 25, 30 years ago. And I want- don't bring up that name. Cause then that's the downside is he's, he's addressed the, the going to the Star Wars side, and <laughs> I, I almost I would like to see his influence over there to see what he could do. But at the same time, I I, I like him where I'm comfortable with him too. <laughs> so, I, I I wonder what this means for Marvel Television now. So there are that you can be. Ex- what did I see? I saw something that there are there's already stuff in the works now to start folding, um, Cloak and Dagger the the ABC the AB, the Hulu shows start folding them into there's a there's a strong possibility now of folding them into mcu proper interesting oh that'd be cool that'd be really cool they have their crossover events yep so but it's a little too early like i don't know how substantiated that stuff that i was reading was it's you know at this point i think it's still too early to to say it's definitely not rumor sure so uh, and more comic book news. Uh, she don't eat meat, but she sure likes the bone. We got the bone comics uh, coming to an animated series at Netflix. Who's behind that? Is that going to be a DreamWorks thing? Is that going to be independent? What is that? It's to be a Netflix thing. Well, yeah, but yeah, Netflix partners. I don't. Netflix doesn't have its own animation studio, does it? No, but there's a lot of studios out there nowadays. Yeah. Um. There's a ton of uh, Korean and uh, other Southeast Asian firms that are doing a ton of CGI work nowadays that aren't necessarily household names, but you've probably watched something from them. Your kids have probably watched something from them kind of thing. Sure. So. So uh, yeah. who I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I did. Okay. It's good stuff. I mean, it's a nice little wholesome comic, a nice continuation. A nice uh, long story, you know. They had a good, he had a good universe. Jeff Smith was very creative, um, and in a time where comics were transitioning a lot to, oh, you know, Punisher and and Wolverine, the, the age of the antihero, and and pouches galore, and more ammo than the Joker has than the Joker has in a subway scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just uh, 
you know, isn't it when it was it was it was a nice change of pace at that time. Uh, it hit around the same time as ElfQuest, so it was just it was good, different flavors out there, and um, even um, oh, Cerberus was another good one around that same time. I, you just you you had definite places you could go for different flavors, and and they they had they carried gravitas and they I, Bone I think is a really good choice and it'll appeal to younger audiences. I know a lot of times when I see in bookstores they don't even carry trades of Bone over in the trade paperbacks over at the comics. You go over to the children's sections and that's that's where they be in the, like the young uh, the young adult section. Uh, the Bone paper. Zone. Yeah. <laughs> no. Have, have you got, hey kids, uh, you gotten your first Bone yet? Well, we got one for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh how excited are you chris i'm pretty excited i mean i i think uh netflix animation department is showing a lot of strength with the things they've done i mean over the if you look over the course of what netflix has put out i i'm sure that percentage wise there's more misses than hits but they're they're willing to experiment and put stuff out and when they do when they when they do get hits it's a solid hit i mean you, you don't have to point any further than shira to, to say, you know, what, what, what do these guys do well when they take chances, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of doing well, now I'm a little irritated still with Disney Plus because they have not announced anything beyond the basic package, right? You get Disney Plus. No, 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 no. You're misunderstanding. I mean, the, what you subscribe to. We're getting that. Don't throw your hands up. Follow me, children, or I'll turn this goddamn car around and take you home. <laughs> The basic subscription package, where you get Disney Plus, but then you get the basic Hulu, you get the you know, the the basic, uh, uh, or you get Spotify Premium. Well, I'm already paying for Spotify Premium. I'm already paying from Hulu Premium. I need to know what the higher package is going to be, so I can see how my budget will condense into one. That's my frustration. Is they go pre-order? They keep telling me I'm not going to buy your basic shit unless I just have to because I'm going to end up with yet another Hulu account I can't use. I mm-hmm. want to know what the higher end is going to be. Have you hit the contact us button at all? Have you tried an email? Get those questions answered? No, I was just waiting to see if they had announced something. <laughs> However, I can see how much you care. What? No, yeah, no, cause I'm going to get it. I'm just waiting for it to launch. I'm going to yeah, pre-order. They, they know it. Yeah. They know it. You know, uh, <laughs> however, the announcements they are making, which is what got YouTube bones up and arise, is <laughs> that they are just dropping a whole lot of goddamn content on this thing. Right. Yeah. Awesome shaking your head on a fucking yeah. podcast. I love you, yeah. boys. <laughs> yeah, day one content, nonetheless. Go for like it, Philip. Have... Oh, you want me to? You want me to run the whole list real quick? I don't know hey, as you can. You know, I, I I just want to take a moment here to say that I made a pretty funny. Where's Jay? So, Phil, hit that list for us. I'm not going to. I don't have it pulled up. So uh, you guys can pull up yourself. It is literally over 300 and, and some pieces of, of content ranging all the way back from the 50s to 2019. So if it was made by Disney between those years, it's coming to the service. If it was made by Fox between those years, there's a likelihood that it's coming to the service as well. We're getting stuff that hasn't hit DVD onto the service. So look, you can't get the original Fox run of Spider-Man, the animated series from the 90s. Can't get it. They won't put it out. It's not coming out. Unless you have Disney Plus, then it's going to be coming out. The entire run of that show is going to be there. Um, the Simpsons in its entirety is coming to to Disney Plus. Uh, for for some of us 
weird animated fans, Mighty Ducks, the animated series where they were actual ducks that fought crime is coming to the animated series. Uh, it's <laughs> I coming to about Disney that. Plus. Oh my Bonkers. God. Bonkers. Yes. Another strange animated show from the 90s is coming. But it's good because like it, it's giving you all those classic Disney films as well that you grew up with. You know, from Snow White all the way up to Toy Story 3. So, you know, anything in between is, is pretty much going to be here. It's a lot. You know, when this first dropped, me and the wife were out to lunch. And I was like, here, let me read you this list real quick. And I got to about the 60s, like 1960s, because they dropped it in order of release. I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm done. I can't. You can just look at this. I'm not reading this anymore. <laughs> Chris, you're still muted. There. You if can... you don't want to, if you don't want, if you don't want to take the time to read the list, take the time to watch the trailer they dropped on YouTube, which is three hours long. Holy crap! Is it really? <laughs> yes. Holy cow! I mean, that's the thing. We're going live action films going all the way back to the '40s with Swiss Family Robinson and Miracle on 34th Street. All the classics of the '50s and the '60s and the like, so on and so forth. Like, it is insane. This is about to be the best seven dollars you're going to spend a month. Yeah, ever. Which they will get my stuff. I just want to know if I can get my better Hulu with it. That's all. And honestly, something that I really like about this that I don't think a lot of people are touching on: this suddenly just became the single best and most significant archive for the history of of everything under their umbrella. Like. There's so much gold in here that, like, a lot of young kids and people growing up should be shown. You know, stuff that we might have grown up on that was pretty commonplace when we were growing up, even the generations before us, that is just in here. That you can, I feel like if you're someone who has a family right now, this service just become the best, became the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be able to shape an entire childhood. That almost in the same way that our own childhoods were shaped by just what was available, but now you have a limitless amount of content. So my wife's real big on limiting the screen time of the kids, and I was a latchkey kid, so I didn't have those limits. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'm when this launches, I'm gonna tell Kim like, "Fuck your limits. <laughs> These kids will not be able to catch up with me if they don't do it." That being said, there's three movies that, according to the initial list, they're not going to be able to catch up on, and that's. The not quite human series, and again, I want to know hashtag where's Jay. Okay, come on, somebody. I don't know that one, huh? Jay Underwood, not not quite human. Alan Thicke was his dad. He's created him. He's a you know oh, cybernetic yeah. son. You know. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, those. no. Are so you nothing. upset that the songs of the South isn't going to be on this, Charles? You know, yes, you jest, yes, but that was in its time was an interesting. Oh piece God, can we mute him? <laughs> No, no, you know what? If you guys are going to keep playing this joke, <laughs> I might just get up on you ass. So, they, you know, they are taking they are taking some heat for doing that because um, some of the other studios like Warner Brothers, they haven't they've not necessarily shied away from some of their more questionable material, but they've added the disclaimers um, and stuff. The yeah. disclaimers at front and talked about time and place. And, and this is how this is where the country was sitting. And this is why this was able to be made versus just saying, oh, that wasn't us. That was a different Disney. You, yeah. That, that, that makes sense. Wrong, wrong name. Wrong name. And it was a revolutionary piece of animation, the way they did the live action with the animation there. 
I mean, they have a goddamn water park dedicated to the sounds, the songs of the South. Yeah. Or a water ride. I'm uh, sorry. Down at Disney. Yeah. Um, yeah. So much stuff, man. So much good stuff. Is there anything yeah. that you guys are looking forward to um, when this launches? Yeah, I'm going to make my kids watch the Apple Dumpling Gang. It's a good one. Yeah, I well, grew up I on mean, that. Just like the vaults here, all the animated stuff. I'm looking at this. Snow White all the way up through the most recent stuff. It's all here. The pivotal Goofy movie from 1995. That's available. Uh, <laughs> oh, my kids love that. Both of those Goofy movies. Um, I saw that in the theater. That me was too. Nice. Me yeah. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was prime cinema, is that what you said? I said high cinema, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take um, that, Scorsese. So, so good stuff. Um, I mean, we, even if they don't come out with a better plan that can bundle my stuff together, they're getting my money. I mean, my wife said, before she even knew what the price was going to be, she, soon she heard they had their own service. She's like, we're buying that. We're absolutely getting that. And you just have to talk her into doing it. What, Phil? Sorry. What? I think that was Chris. You guys heard what Family Guy's doing this weekend, right? No. Oh, no. oh they're making fun of it. <laughs> so they're 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 doing the the whole reboot thing. I guess so on the show they're going to do three reboots of the Family Guy to make fun of Disney and doing all the rebooting and now they're owned by Disney. So there's they're they're, they're gonna, I think they're going to do three three mini episodes in it. It's going to be rebooting the Family Guy series with like a Lois as the lead. Um I think their one almost looked like a River like a Riverdale take. From the, the picture, the still that I saw, <laughs> I think they're gonna put it up for vote or something on the show, just like with internal audience polling or something. That's funny. They've, they've even got the television shows. We've got Ducktales, Winnie the Pooh, Chip and Dale, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, a whole yes. bunch of others. I'm gargoyles. Gargoyles. Yep, yep, yep. Gummy bears. <laughs> Fuck gargoyles. I said it. What? Yeah, mother. Fuck, Fuck it. Tom Wayne. Did you say fuck Tom Waits? I did. <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend it. But, <laughs> but I mean, Paul, you, that's that's really what I'm excited for is is all these Disney power block, you know, television shows that the kid is going to just completely eat up. Like he loves the new DuckTales, and so do I. It's really well made. But now I get to go back and show him like where this all began and whatnot. He's recently has been going through the real Ghostbusters, so he's already got an mm. eye for, you know, 80s shitty animation. So now I, I just had this entire, you know, land of, of play to open up to him. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about all that. I mean, you've even got, like, quality afternoon programming, like Even Stevens, Lizzie McGuire, That's So Raven. <laughs> Recess. <laughs> I, they've yeah, got everything, though, man. Like, they've got everything. Whatever you want to show your kids or watch again yourself quietly in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> you oh, boy. Douche. You can't get Doug, but you can get his first movie. Well, that's because they required yeah. Doug. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, such, such good stuff here. Um, on that note, we're going to go to the break. We're probably going to talk more about what we want to see from Disney Plus and everything else. And if you want to hear that conversation, go to patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel and support the show. And you'll get all the pre-recording of the show, the mid-roll and the after party there. So I will be back right after this. Mike here, editor-at-large at the Giant Size Team-Up Network. 
patreon.com slash breaking the panel. That's where you go to support the show. We know you like to listen in, but will you support? A lot of your fellow listeners do, and we deeply appreciate it all the way deep down in Phil's grinchy little heart. One of the perks you get by supporting us on Patreon is behind-the-scenes access to the show every week. We record on average about a half hour before we start the show. Then we record everything we talk about during the mid-show break and the post-show wrap-up. And you know you want to be in on that. It gets weird sometimes. And the only place you get that kind of access is at patreon.com slash breaking the panel. Support us if you can. Any amount is perfect. And any minute now, we'll get back to the second half of the show. See ya. And we are back. Now, last week we did the live review of Joker. We started with the non-spoiler, went to the spoiler edition. And Klotz, you were you were agitated. One, because you didn't get to see the film, so you couldn't come on and play. But secondly, because there was some pretty sizable news that, that you don't just drag your soapbox out on. It, like floated over Casper the Friendly Ghost style and plopped itself in your lap to get up on this soapbox. Last week was the spiciest. I mean, I was already aroused because of the Martin Scorsese thing. But this, this little tidbit. So we're, we're going to give a little bit of context and talk about the issue at hand, and then we're going to have our roundtable in regards to it. But Blizzard Entertainment is in the shit again. This time, because uh, two weeks ago, over the weekend two weeks ago, uh, they had their Asian Grandmasters for Hearthstone. And mm-hmm. a Taiwanese player known as Blitzchung won. And in his victory interview, he said, I believe it, was, it equates to about seven words in English. And I might be paraphrasing a little bit here, but... Uh, it was basically it was pro Hong Kong protests, uh, basically free Hong Kong um, liberty in our time. I think it was something like that. I, I might have gotten it. A he little used bit wrong. one of their phrases, right? But basically, he he the two shoutcasters that were covering the event handed off to him for his interview they apparently knew he was going to say something like this he appeared on camera in a gas mask which is not a gas mask in like a world war ii you know right like goggles in the sorry mustard gas is world war one but the point is like not not yeah it's but a gas mask that covers your your nose and your mouth uh that a lot of the protesters in hong kong have been wearing so it's iconic for them uh, because they've been so for the, the the background context here, there have been thousands of people, young people protesting in Hong Kong for m- over a month now. Uh, and the, the reason they're protesting is because the Chinese mainland government wants to enact a law that would allow them to extradite uh, criminals, quote unquote, people convicted of crimes in Hong Kong to the mainland to serve time. And their concern is obviously the Chinese government does not have a good history with treating political prisoners and, you know, disadvantaged groups very well. Uh, we're not getting into politics on the show, but there, we know, for example, that there's been organ harvesting going on. That's a recent story that broke out in the mainland China. We know that they've been 
literally beating and shooting students in the streets of Hong Kong during these protests. So this is a very big issue for Taiwanese people and, and the people of Hong Kong. And this has a far-reaching impact throughout the international community because, of course, the, the, the people of Chinese and Taiwanese descent live everywhere all over the world. It's a much bigger thing than just the region on itself. Uh, so he made a statement and the broadcast immediately cut away. And after the fact, Blizzard laid down the hammer hard in the first 24 hours afterwards. They banned Blitzchung from competitive Hearthstone for a year. They revoked all of his prize winnings from this tournament season, anything that hadn't been paid out yet. And they fired the two shoutcasters that were associated with the broadcast. And the, the public did not take kindly to that. And uh, so I'll give you guys, everybody, a chance here to chime in right now. Uh, Philip, as a big Blizzard fan, what was your initial reaction to seeing all of this? Oh, boy. Thanks for leading off with me, Paul. Uh, wow. I, uh, I was already really fenced with this company that I've given not only thousands of dollars to, but thousands of hours of my life to as well. Um, me and Paul have talked privately about this company and, and we've even touched on it on the show for a little bit. Um, but the company that I loved and supported is not the company that stands before us today. Um, and it took a lot of Paul talking me, you know, and having, helping me realize that, you know, the old guard has gone man it's it's the new guard in there and they only worship one thing and it's not you know duratan it's the almighty dollar um so this was really heartbreaking to me really heartbreaking because it was kind of like the final straw of i'm i'm done and as much as i want to play diablo 4 if it ever comes out i i don't think i will um and everybody is allowed to have their own personal view on the situation. But for me, that was it. That was the last straw, really. Um, I threw away a bunch of Blizzard shit because I, I don't want to be a billboard for a company that I don't believe in anymore. You know, I, I, I wear a lot of nerd shirts. I have a lot of band shirts. And each one that I wear, I can actually say, yeah, I paid money so that I could be a walking advertisement for this company. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that for Blizzard anymore. Because they've, they've really have gone morally bankrupt. And it hurts me on a personal level. Mm -hmm. uh, Charles or Chris, you want to chime in? Yeah, Good luck following that, cockbags. <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know. For example, for context here, neither one of you are as close to this as Philip and I are. Uh, to my knowledge, neither one of you are like World of Warcraft players, or maybe Charles. I think you had played Diablo in the past. You said, I, yeah, I played that. I played some Hearthstone. I played a little bit. I've dabbled, but I've never really mm. tied into them. Although it does I, remind me, I have to look at my stock investments to see if I own stock and I need to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> I was a Diablo guy until uh, I never did play the third one because by that time I had gotten out of uh, sure. uh, regular gaming. So, um, I mean, it's shitty. Um, it's just, it's not, 
I don't know. For me, it's just not surprising, I guess, to, to right. understand that, you know, uh, a, a corporation is, is going to value money above all else. That's, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's shitty, but it, it, it's, it's, the interesting thing is this, this circles us back to a conversation we were having not too long ago. I mean, you just, you replace, you know, Blizzard with, you know, Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. in the discussion, you know, it's it, again, you know, choose your hypocrisy. Where are we going to go to? Mm-hmm. Well, to and that's, okay, so yeah, the thing that I didn't say prior to this is the reaction is largely that people, for anybody who doesn't really get what we're getting at here, it's presumably Blizzard reacted so swiftly and so severely because they are capitulating to the Chinese government. Uh, Tencent, a major Chinese video game company, owns a 5% stake in Activision Blizzard. Uh, there, there's been some articles written in recent months, but very recently since the Blizzard thing, people have been pointing out that the Chinese government subsidizes video game companies and other companies, like companies all over tech, right? They subsidize these companies. They they literally give them like office buildings and real estate to well, set up shop. Part of that originally, I mean, I'm not saying they're not a good company and they're not really investing. They're, they are investing in the world. But part of that, there was a point in time that might still be, I don't know, that to do business in China, you had to partner with a business already in China. Well, and that's, yeah, that's what I'm building yeah. up to. Oh, okay, so sorry. They, they give these companies, like they basically, they're state- they're state-sponsored companies. They're given real estate. They're given tax breaks. They're literally given liquid funds. They're encouraged to build products for their own market, but also to go out and invest in Western companies and get stakes in all those companies. And then, as you said, Charles, in order to distribute in China, you need to go through a Chinese company. And so, like, if you want to distribute your video games or your movies, you have to comply with Chinese censorship standards. You have to interface through a Chinese company. And you you basically have to play the game. And we've talked about in regards to Marvel and and just movies in general. We've talked about in regards to video games on this show. The Chinese market, but the Asian market as a whole, is the fastest growing revenue market in entertainment. And it, it is ballooning very quickly. And films like Venom, for example, that did okay here, broke their budget, are crushing it when they're being shown in countries like China. Well, I'm, the Warcraft movie was a abysmal failure in the West, but made all of its money plus double its budget over in China. Yeah. And so these these video game companies, these film companies, television companies, they all have to capitulate to the Chinese government and meet their censorship standards in order to continue to be able to do business there. Uh, Apparently, based on the latest earnings call for Blizzard, the Chinese market accounts for less than 20% of their total revenue, but that's still one-fifth of their business. You know what I mean? If you you really break that down. So this is clearly a response to that. They've been criticized across the industry. They've, we've had former employees step forward uh, criticizing them. We've had a couple of full, former employees talk about their culture. Blizzard employees, and I'm going to say this, very brave Blizzard employees banded together in the couple of days after this announcement, and they went out in front of the corporate headquarters in a group and stood in front of the giant orc statue that has plaques that say stuff like, Every voice matters. And they covered that up with a piece of paper 
and they stood out there with umbrellas and, and stuff like that because umbrellas are a symbol of uh, the Hong Kong protests because they're using umbrellas to deflect tear gas and stuff like that and other things that are being used to disperse crowds. Uh, basically, they, they stood out there in solidarity. And of course, the games industry, especially out in California where Blizzard is based, it, there's a lot of Asian-American, Asian-Canadian people who work in the games industry. And they're close to this because there's a lot of time when these people dispersed all over the world, as I kind of mentioned earlier. So basically, this this reaches out everywhere. And basically, everybody's accusation is you're capitulating to the Chinese government. You're suppressing this person's free speech. Now, free speech is a governmental concept, but basically, they're saying along those lines. Uh, they didn't say anything all week until last Friday, this past Friday. And then at, I think it's about 4.30 in the afternoon, 5.30 in the afternoon, Blizzard President J. Allen Brack releases his statement where they walk it back a little bit. Uh, they reduced his ban to six months. They reduced his uh, the, the ban on the two shoutcasters to six months. And they restored all of his winnings, Blitzchung's winnings. And they said that they reacted swiftly and severely because... They feel that a competitor in one of their esports events should not subvert the, the the purpose of their event to use it as a platform for their views. Well, that's the first and, that I heard that they restored it because I knew they took away ten thousand dollars of his winnings. That he right, already won because his winning for the Grandmasters was like three thousand, but it was the entire season's worth of winnings that hadn't been yeah. paid out yet. Is my understanding is what they were holding, which is ten grand, which is a lot of money. Yeah, three thousand is a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, and that is a life-changing amount of money to somebody who's like college-aged, right? Yep. You know, oh, yeah. That's like, especially you know, so especially somebody who's devoting this to be a competitive Hearthstone player, you have to play Hearthstone like a day job. You know, you have to play all of the time. I thought esports purses were bigger than that. That's I, I like. I'm not trying well, to. I'm not trying to say ten thousand is a lo- is a little purse, but to me that seems negligible. It's, to... it, this was a. These were regional events. Regionals. Oh, okay. Regional. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So th- this wasn't an, an international event. This wasn't like the international championship yet. Um, but of course, he wouldn't have been eligible to go on to the international championships. Yeah. Uh, but for example, you mentioned you know you talk about international events like the big, the the events with the big purses. Those small events usually fund people's ability to travel to those major events to play because they're almost always done on land. Very rarely do they let you remotely play because, mm-hmm. you know, there's all obviously concerns about being able to manipulate uh, your everything, like your performance and everything. Um, so they walked it back a little bit. For me, I think the best response I saw in the industry, well, two of them. One of them was from Brian Kibler, who's a, a, a Magic, Hall of Fa- Magic the Gathering Hall of Famer, Magic Pro player. He's not act- particularly active anymore, uh, and a Hearthstone player and streamer, and also a shoutcaster. Brian Kibler was supposed to shoutcast the Grandmaster event for North America at BlizzCon at the end of the month. He came out and said, Blizzard is absolutely in the right in punishing Blitzchung for what he did, because they're right in saying that their event which is an entertainment and esports event is not the appropriate platform for a political statement. However, he said, you know, yeah, they had a right to say something. They had a right to pass down a judgment. However, he felt that that punishment was far too severe and very much seemed like it was just capitulation to 
the Chinese government, which he does not agree with. And so he actually contacted his contacts at Blizzard and said, I'm not comfortable shoutcasting the event at BlizzCon. Please replace me. So he basically quit his shoutcasting gig at BlizzCon for the Hearthstone event, his broadcasting gig, because he's not comfortable working for the company in the face of that. And I thought that was the best take on it, uh, because that's where I fall. I, I get that they have to make a stand, and because you can't have, you know, people, I feel like a lot of people here are behind Blitzchung's message, because we understand what the people in Hong Kong are fighting for to be treated fairly. But let's say a North American player, just as an example, released a statement supporting the current administration of the United States. Would everybody be as, as quick to defend that person? You know, well, and, and I also wonder too is <clears throat> because I don't I don't know what the numbers are for people that watch that watch these, especially you know the usually awards, tens of thousands awards, of people. Okay, tens of thousands of people out of a let's see tens of thousands out of a worldwide audience. Right. And so, what made it political? Him saying something, or them reacting in such a way that got it all this press and headlines and continues to keep it in the oh, press? Yeah, versus just versus uh, just okay, yeah. go to somebody else. I mean, China, my... China has shown that they pay attention to the minutia of things. Oh, and absolutely. They absolutely. it would have come after. I, I listened to Bill's take. I listened to uh, Daily Tech News show with Tom Merritt and their take on it. Um, as a company, I don't know that it had to come off this harshly and, and come hard. And and you did I hear you correct, Paul? They've reinstated his winnings. Yeah. They okay. restored his winnings. They reduced the the ban from a year to six months. Okay. And they did um, the same for the two shoutcasters. I mean, so as with any company, they specifically, I don't can't quote it verbatim, but they specifically have a policy that basically says don't do shit that's going to hurt the finances of the well, company. Their, their, their policy that they're quoting there mm -hmm. literally says any if you do anything that disparages or hurts Blizzard at Blizzard's sole discretion, we can revoke your prize money and ban you from... I mean, this this company... If China overnight, which they can do, says, you know what, you're out, we're going to shut you off, that, mm -hmm. could, that could potentially ruin them as a company. You know? I don't, well, I don't. It's yeah, a lot earlier, of money the, you're talking about. But the only, Chinese market's only 20%. 20%. You know. Okay. Plus, and, and to me, I think in, when I'm thinking of it financially, if I'm Blizzard and China wants to come heavy, my first response is not necessarily is not necessarily going to be to denounce the gamer and be like, okay, China, you've got your opinion. Where are you at on piracy laws and the enforcement of such <laughs> privacy laws? <laughs> yeah, they don't I care. Mean, I just well, no, I, yeah. that's the no, problem. No, China's so, going to do what China's going to do. Right. Yeah. So you can't have it, but you can't say, well, you know, we're twenty percent of your business, and you have to invest. You have to invest in our companies for your legitimate IPs to be make it into our country, but we're not going to do a goddamn thing about people pirating that. We're not going to well, do a goddamn not, thing yeah. about people stealing those IPs and doing what they want with it. Can't have it both ways. You're trying to use common sense I got on you. an I got animal you. that wants to do whatever it's going to do. It's like trying I, to reason I'm, with an I, elephant, No, 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 no. I'm trying to use common sense with the blizzard. China's okay. going to do what China's going to do, but you have to have an adult conversation with them and say, well, okay, you can't have it both ways because they're not yeah. mutually exclusive. From from the things I've listened to and some of what I've read, it indicated that China locking out Blizzard would be a much more detrimental 
I mean, 20%, that's Paul and I have argued about, can be a significant number, depending <laughs> oh, on how is. you look at it. It's um, not insignificant. My, my, my thing with with Blizzard was they also, and they may have reinstated them, I don't know, but the two casters who were there got fired also. Yeah, so just covered that. I said, yeah, they got... They they have a six month ban as well. Rather yeah, than so a, that was well, that was a lot of information to parse, man. I'm unpacking. I'm unpacking here, Paul. Okay, Dennis. I'm unpacking. <laughs> oh, I showed up. Well, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's fair. fair. Um, you know, so well, also, let's say okay, it's a million dollars. Let's we're, say what we're towing on here is there's a corporate perspective, right? We're a company that has. A vested interest in this emerging market where and uh, the other thing the unspoken thing here is like last blizzcon was really controversial for them because they announced diablo immortals the the mobile phone game and everyone was like what the fuck is wrong with you because they were like why are they were they were literally shocked that people weren't excited about this mobile game and they're they're clearly making that game for the Chinese market, like for the Asian market, because it's literally a reskin of a existing Chinese game from a Chinese developer. And they're interfacing with that developer to make it. They're co-producing it with this, this foreign developer. So it's pretty clear that to me, at least, and maybe Philip will agree here. It seems like Blizzard has spent all of their trust capital with the Western market. They, they, they had the hardest core of fans they were the rock solid company that everybody believed in because they had core creatives there and executives there that cared about games. They cared about the experience of games. They cared about putting out quality products. They scrapped games that were millions of dollars spent and in years into development because they could not figure out how to pull it together and put out a quality product. And they did not want to release something that was bad. That is not at all the culture at Activision Blizzard anymore. Nope. Well, you know, Which is why uh, everybody's left. Apparently, there's a big thing. You know, they have mottos on the wall and whatever. And one of the, the big protests that was being done was people putting paper over one of the mottos, which says, Everybody has a voice at Blizzard. He didn't listen to the this entire conversation. No, all. he didn't. Why would I? I you, you, hey, Charles, I'm going to ask you, hey, let me go off on a 20 minute speech. <laughs> I got my points I wanted to make. You just took them. That doesn't mean I can't make them. <laughs> Oh, oh my god, why are we I got a blue bird on my shoulder. Sorry. It's Mr. Bluebird. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Y'all laughed cuz you're wrong at that. Where do you think it's going to go, Paul? Cuz I'm saying from a business standpoint, how much does a business owe to human right? Not not how they work, but I'm talking about in this situation. How much do they owe to human rights to stand up and say, well, China, what you're doing here is wrong, and we're going to lose 20, 20%. And I'm going to break it down for people. A million dollars, right? I know they make a lot more than that. Let's just make it simple because I don't do good math on beer. $10,000, 20% of that is two grand. Would you be willing to lose two grand out of ten thousand dollars that's supposed to be yours as a person, and you multiply that up to millions and millions of dollars? It adds up to a lot. Does Blizzard owe it to the world to stand up for the rights of people, or are they here to make games for money? Well, here's the thing: is it's not that simple, right? Right. So it is. Well, but it but here's but this has backfired on them 
Well, corporations are not people. Right. Well, they're not. Unless you but, can vote in America, then they are. So, Corp- so corporations are blood sucking. Uh, like you said, Charles, just money grubbing entities. So I think that's a little too severe. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. In this particular situation, Blizzard Activision devi- decides to react quickly and harshly, and they get completely roasted by everybody who brushes up against the story, right? They're the biggest meme going on right now. People are taking the character Mei, who is a Chinese national in Overwatch, and using her as a symbol of protest. BlizzCon is at the end of this month. People are already planning to go to BlizzCon to protest. Like people who are already going to BlizzCon, they're going to dress up as May. They're going to go wearing gas masks and a number of other things like that. They're planning to do that already. Today, the day that we're recording this, October 16th, they were supposed to have a big event at Nintendo World New York City for the launch of Overwatch on the Nintendo Switch. And they canceled it because they were worried about protests. The way Blizzard handled this fucked them hard there are lots of people who went in and canceled their wow subscriptions and and like philip did decided not to buy any new games i guarantee you there are thousands of people that decided not to buy overwatch on switch over this event this is you know we were talking about the 20 percent of the chinese market i'm not sure that that's what we're talking about anymore i think we're talking about a lot more than that i think we're talking about a widespread full-scale loss of faith in this company and on top of that not that this matters much but it necessarily but u.s lawmakers admonish them as well uh i never thought i would agree with anything that marco rubio said but he was very quick to criticize them and basically speak to, he didn't criticize them directly but he said he he's concerned about an american company capitulating to a foreign power you know so on and so forth and People on both sides of the aisle here domestically, lawmakers made statements like that. So this is a. But Blizzard's not the only company that that. Well, no, that's true as well. Yeah. Lots of companies are capitulating to the Chinese government, yeah. and it's it's an ongoing issue. And I, I mean, that's I, it's hard for me to chalk that up to anything other than political doublespeak. But Charles, I mean, you're trying to make sure. a rational business decision. So again, I put to you how much out of this ten thousand dollars, and you would lose twenty. You'd lose two thousand of it. How much more than ten thousand dollars would it have been had China had strong piracy laws, IP protection, <laughs> and they enforced them? Could that ten thousand dollars have been fifteen or twenty? Could it go from zero if you don't play with China to out of that ten thousand? Know. It wouldn't go to zero. It'd go to eight. No, 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 no. But no. wouldn't the potential growth be more if you would? That's what I'm saying. So as Blizzard, which side, of the, no, which side of the business decision do you want? Well, I'm going to say no, you because want? you sitting in the United States of America, <clears throat> all, all four of us have sometime, at some point on this show in the last three years have said, if you can't find it, take it to the high seas. And everybody at some point in their life in America, which has strong piracy laws, has acquired something outside of paying for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, no, I don't think you single out China with that, because I think if you don't go to China, you still have your stuff being stolen and stuff being oh, well, pirated and What shared. he's talking about with China is different. There is a complete sub-industry in China to counterfeit Western goods. Like, there, there is a wholesale effort to subvert foreign IP laws and to, to reproduce goods. Like, everything from electronics... To because you, the, the, there, 
Have you ever heard of the site Wish? Wish.com? Yes. That almost everything you order on Wish is going to get shipped from China or somewhere close. Southeast, Southeast, ugh, Southeast, Southeast Asia. Uh, and you're going to pay pennies on the dollar for things that are essentially the same products, just without the, the you know, the name brand. Uh, we see it in toys and collectibles. Uh, Lepin, famously in the last year, got absolutely shit on where they got their factories finally raided by the Chinese government. They were reproducing Lego knockoff lego stuff that was so close to the like visually to in presentation to the original stuff the only way you could tell that it was different is if you read that it said lepin star wars <laughs> instead of lego star wars for example <laughs> i mean and that's that's the thing and it's a cultural thing and i'm not i want to make something very clear i'm not taking shots at the, the average Chinese person, I'm not saying that, but there is a corporate culture, there is a governmental culture in China that does not respect foreign IP or copyright laws, and their mentality is, fuck you, we're going we're gonna to lie, cheat, and steal all of your ideas and replicate them and make money, and we don't care if you like it or not. And the Chinese government is famously piss poor at cracking down on that stuff unless... You're one of these companies that capitulates to their demands and then they'll they'll go after, you know. So, for example, I guarantee you that Lego formed a relationship through a major Chinese corporation mm -hmm. with the Chinese government that got inspired them to suddenly walk over to that factory that's been sitting there for 10 years and be like, you've got to stop and arrest the owner and kick all the workers out. You know what I mean? Hashtag no quid pro quo. <laughs> so what you're saying, Paul, what you're saying is by Blizzard cracking down on this statement now china's going to keep them from being pirated that, no it, what what we're what i'm saying is they they crack down on this in an attempt to secure their relationship in china allegedly now they're denying that the the statement that brack put out on friday denies that but it's bullshit it's and complete all, bullshit and also blizzard always puts out the bad news after the end of the workday on friday so that they have the weekend for it to just soak and they don't have to deal with it until mm -hmm. monday uh which is a total pr tactic and it's total bullshit and other other blizzard employees have been like this happens all the time they always do this when they have bad news uh but anyways no what they were trying to secure that portion. And I don't think it's just about the quote-unquote 20% that we're talking about here of the, the Chinese market. I think it's about the potential growth over the next 10, 20 years in that market that they foresee. They don't see 20% of their business in that nation continuing for the next – that might be the case for the next few years. But I think they see over the next 10 or 20 years it ballooning. I think they even anticipate that that might be the future of their company, which is why they have to maintain a relationship with this government is which is their perception however the the reality is the way they handled this and the way they approached it has in inflamed so many people in their existing western customer base they may have risked more than they stood to win because what you your growth potential is just a figurative number it's a guess it's an estimate right yeah i mean there's people get paid a lot of money to try to to read financial markets and read the future of an industry and guess where that money's going to be. But there's no definites and th the, 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 the sea winds change all the time, but they risked a lot with their existing traditional customer base. And it is, this is going to be one of the biggest PR blunders of the year in the games industry, if not in entertainment in general, this has had a big ripple 
and they're going into BlizzCon, their annual convention that is supposed yeah. to be their big hype monster that is supposed to fuel the next year of what they're doing. And we also know that they're not they have almost nothing positive to pimp either, to our knowledge. We're right, not anticipating right, right. a new Diablo game being announced. We're not anticipating anything meaningful we coming are. out of World War. Are we anticipating an actual? I think Diablo Four is supposed to be announced this year. You think so? I I, I personally do. Yeah. Oh, it might be. Um, I I haven't I, been following Blizzard news, but yeah, it's not like they have anything else. Now, now keep in mind, I'm I am a person who's all for human rights, and I was I was mad at, at Blizzard for doing this. I'm I playing some devil's advocate because I disagree with some of the statement that Phil made about corporations are blood sucking and this and that and the other you've got to make money you've got to make a profit to to live and there's some people like fuck blizzard you know yeah you can say fuck blizzard all day long whatever just a short rundown is their revenue for 2018 was 7.5 billion dollars that's just revenue that's not profit revenue they have nine thousand in 2018 they had 9900 so 9900 employees so 20 percent of that revenue is 1.5 billion how many of those nine or let's just call it ten thousand employees are they gonna have to lay off if they lose china they just laid off yeah 300 plus people that's 300 that out of ten thousand. how many more well no but i mean that's the thing we just talked about that earlier this year they just laid off hundreds of people earlier sure. this year how many more is your answer i'm and then here's what i'm gonna ask you guys is your oversimplified answer that they should have just let it fly and tell China to fuck off. Oh, no. I no, 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 no. I have a more nuanced response than that, yeah. Would you so, like to hear it? Yes, I would. <laughs> uh, I, I, I stand by what I said earlier, what Brian Kibler said. You know, anybody who's running an esports tournament or anything like that, there's a time and a place for people's people to use their platform to send a message. And he could have sent his message out to the world, but doing it in the middle of their broadcast is a breach of the relationship that they have. So I do think that he was due some punishment, which is a suspension. I think the six month suspension is fair. I think that initial one year was way too harsh. I think that the seizing $10,000 worth of winnings. Yeah, that was mm. because when they walked it back on Friday, they said he played quote unquote, they even used quote unquote in the letter he played fairly in the event like he he played the game and won his winnings fairly but he didn't they tried to say he didn't play fairly in the post tournament interview where he made a statement uh so yeah suspensions in order but the thing is they reacted so swiftly and so severely which was almost certainly meant to send a message to the chinese government hey we're good we're good we're good we're good we're looking out for you which is where they fucked up they absolutely should not have come down that harshly, and they should not have done so that publicly. I think they should have let it lie for a couple of weeks, quietly. I think they should have suspended him immediately and said, hey, we have to suspend you because you, you broke the terms of our event and you subverted our broadcast. Not talked about the money at all. I think the money should never have been on the table, period. He won what he won, and he won it fairly. Yeah. He wasn't accused of cheating. He didn't like assault somebody at the event or anything. Like, absolutely take his prize money if he punches out somebody at the event or starts a fire or something like you know what i mean if, if this is somebody who incites violence or victimizes somebody or cheats at the event yes seize their prize money do not pay them get the fuck out of here you know do all of that um but for simply making a a single 
sentence, political statement. That isn't even as much a political statement as it is a human rights statement. Yes, you have every right to to punish him and discourage that behavior from others. Because that's the other thing is they want to make sure that other people don't think that they can keep doing that. But the way they responded was way too fast and way too harsh. And they're they're gonna they're gonna burn for it. This is gonna be a tough year for them uh, financially. I guarantee it. As There's going to be more people getting laid off because of this decision. I guarantee it. Phil, you you said uh, no, you know, just letting it lie, and not not what Klaus said, but my oversimplification of just letting it lie and telling China to fuck off was not your answer either. What was what's your take on it? No, I think Paul pretty much covered okay. it. Um, like, I'm not upset that well, the suspension was too heavy. And uh, well, no, I, I don't. I'm not even going to recap. I mean, Paul said it perfectly and totally encapsulated my feelings about it. Chris, how about you? I I don't know that I I, I agree with even a majority of it. Not not what you said, but with with their reaction. Because in this day and age, especially where esports is trying to gain a foothold in the legitimacy and be a toe to toe competitor with the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, like this is, this is a, a new place to go for entertainment, whether it be esports or, or, uh, you know, another, another source to go yeah. for, for competitive, uh, uh, outlet for you as a viewer to consume and view and appreciate and enjoy with what we've seen in the political climate of the NBA and the NFL over the last few years, um, to then turn around and say, well, we want to have that same kind of buy-in, but we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna go backwards from where these guys already are in the discussion, and we're gonna mm-hmm. go ahead and drop the hammer on anybody that has a political message. Like it's it's tough because at some point these guys, for them to gain legitimacy, they have to give those competitors the freedoms. And I understand, I understand that maybe that was not the the time or space, but that's when you have the most eyes on you sure. as a competitor. I mean, you, you look at you look at uh, acceptance speeches at award shows. You yep. see the same thing. Like I. Mm, man, I think it's a bad position because of the timing. Like you, these guys are twenty years ago mentality, so they're. Not, I don't think that these esports guys are ready to be on on that footing because they're not. They're not there. They are not current on the on the political climate and how to address how to address that and letting their competitors speak their mind. Yeah, but if it's also in the terms of service of what. It's it in is the NFL to- contract too. It's in the NBA. Well, I mean, but yeah, are you but turn around and say those guys can't. The, M- the, the NBA is currently getting roasted for the, how they're interacting with China right now because the Chinese market is huge for the NBA. Right, they're exactly. doing the same thing. And, I mean, and- NBA 2K18, the video game, you start the game off playing in China. Like yeah. I, I was like, what? I mean, I was like, this is kind of cool, but I was like, what? Like this is wild. Like. But- you know, at the beginning of this, you said, you know, you brought up the the organ harvesting and you said there, there was a recent article that just came out. We know it's happening. We've known it's been happening for more than 20 years. Oh, this I mean, not, it's, this it's is, blowing up right now. This yeah. is not new. I mean, right. they, I mean, Chinese gulags are a thing that have been yeah. happening since Chairman Mao. And when you've got that many people behind a wall and you don't know what to do with them, you start harvesting. You know, when people start getting soil and green is it's it's what happens. I mean, so it's none of this is new. Like we've always known the bad actor that China is. They Mm. they they're an emerging market. They get some capital behind them. So then we got to start treating them differently than the pieces of shit politically that they tend to be in the human rights realm. You know, like I don't I I don't think 
I have to, I don't necessarily think we have to worry about the Chinese market being pissed at us and not list, list, you know, losing viewers, but I'll say it. China is a bad actor in the human rights department and governmentally they are too, not just in human rights, but in, 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 in just basic civil liberties. They're there. Yeah. They, they, they are not a good government. This, this, well, this wholesale, you know, uh, Maoist communism that is, that has taken place there since the 1940s, right? 1940. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. 70 years. Yeah. It's, it's to even try to defend it, it. It baffles me. Like, I don't, I don't understand how Americans can sit over here and even kind of defend what they're doing. Like you have to, you have to, from a worldwide context. I don't think anybody's really trying to context, defend them. Yeah. But even, even when you try to defend them from a business standpoint or blizzard for, for trying to secure what China thinks you, if you, if you say blizzard, if at any point you, you, turn and say blizzard was right because they have to worry about their their holdings or their their potential business in china is allowing china to be china well the, and that's yeah, the, the the stark difference uh so the the only allegory i can think of recently that's anywhere close to that to this happening in the west was the nfl with colin kaepernick mm-hmm. when our current president donald trump was tweeting all the time about how he basically he just wanted Kaepernick to shut up Hmm. and like he was and then he was tweeting at the NFL and actually the NFL took a lot of flack from this administration the people who support it because they did not move swiftly to they didn't suspend Kaepernick they didn't they didn't do anything like that you know they pretty much just let him keep doing his thing now what happened at the at the smaller level at the teams and stuff like that he got benched and then the broadcast stopped showing him kneeling, which was his silent protest, uh, you know, trying to utilize his platform. And I mean, and that's an example of like, this guy is causing a perceived disruption to your business, but you can just not show him, mm-hmm. right? So that was a key difference that the NFL had. But even in that situation, there were people who, regardless of how they felt about the actual issues being discussed, objected to a, a government, a, you know, a the United States government and an official that represents it trying to influence an industry to get them to do something political in that sense, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and, but that is the closest we've gotten to it. The Chinese government, I agree with you, Chris is far more guilty. They literally have pay or play agreements with everybody who does business there. You have to follow all of our rules. You have to jump when we say how high, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like, it's it's not the same as any Western nations, for example. It's one thing to just have like like Japan, for example, has censorship standards mm-hmm. that can be kind of strict, but that's different. That's like Japan. The Japanese government is saying we have things that we don't think the the Japanese people should be subjected to. We would not like to see that in television, films, or video games. Please don't show it. It's absurd because like their pornography just blurs out genitals but it's still pornography yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh and and all of that stuff but it's they have a standard but that's not a political standard that is just a this is stuff we don't think that the general populace should be bumping into yeah and it's and it's trying to apply it's trying to po- apply uh capitalist norms to a communist government yeah i mean oh, that's, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's... The problem. I mean, this, that's another thing like you can't you, it's apples and oranges when you're trying to have any kind of logical dissonance with it because you can't you 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 can't get the the square to go in the circle hole at any point you know 
it's unfortunate in this case. I just think Blizzard's going to end up on the wrong side of history with this. I think it. I think it cost them a lot more than they thought was on the line. I don't think that they anticipated this blowing up this much, and BlizzCon yeah, is going to be very interesting. Yeah. They need that China. They need that China market to go ahead and explode now, not wait the next. You know, not not slow growth over the next well, 10 to fifteen years. They need it. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. they arguably showed where their loyalties lie. So now they're uh, <laughs> they're pretty much they're stuck. Mm-hmm. They chose their bedfellows, as people like to say. You know what I mean? They're they're there. Yeah, but there's still always going to be those Blizzard. I don't want to say uh, apologists, but the fanboys. Fan, yeah, the the hardcore fanboys, like anybody that's still playing Warcraft right now, you know, off down cycle on a on a uh, expansion. I mean, do they care about any? Well, of Well, it's. I mean, but but classic is blown up. Where's Austin at on this? But we don't know how long Classic... Uh, so what I'm talking about there is World of Warcraft Classic, which is the original vanilla game from 15 years ago, just came out a couple months ago, and it was gangbusters. Like, they had people waiting in queues to get on the servers to play of, like, 3,000. Like, you are number 3,273 in line. Sit here for four hours to get in to play this game that came out 15 years ago. Uh, as best we could, re- you know, recreate it here a decade and a half later. Um... I know that, like, I because I I still on Reddit have subscribed to a couple of the World of Warcraft subreddits, particularly the the Goblins one, which are people who like gold farm and make money off of the economy of the game. And everybody who makes money off of the regular retail servers, the regular game, the current expansion, they just had their markets blow out on them. Huh. Because nobody's playing. Nobody's playing anymore. Barely anybody is playing the, the. main retail game comparatively to where they were a few months ago and as phil just said you're on a major downturn because you're mid expansion cycle uh the world of warcraft's expansions run two years it comes out it's strong for usually a month or two it has a major dip if they don't have a huge content release in the middle they hit a major drought for players and then as they start to ramp up into the new content people get excited again i mean i'm one of them there's a lot of people who literally only play world of warcraft for like three or four months every two years when the new expansion's coming out. They, they do all the stuff at the end of the last expansion, and they check out all the new stuff that's out already, and then they peace out for a year and a half and come back and do it all again. And Classic might have saved them a little bit, a bit in that regard, but they might have... I don't know if Classic is going to keep people either, because it's the original experience, and the original experience was super grindy. So it, this this could be... This could be one of the worst things that's ever happened to them, quite frankly. As this conversation goes, um, I want to encourage people to talk openly and discuss it like we have here. I mean, that's one of the things we do. I I'm, I'm, was definitely not advocating for Blizzard to to that they were right and fucking, you know, whatever. Um, but it's Didn't too easy. Did you say death to America on the break? Yeah, like it's on, oh, you got to be on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel. Will you be able to find out the truth of that or not? Our, our Canadian patrons, like hell yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, because somebody, I think Chris, it doesn't matter who said it, but somebody started off saying if if somebody on one of these events had supported the current administration, I think a closer a closer allegory 
to this conversation would be during the Obama administration when right-wing people were out protesting and burning effigies of the president had somebody at an event like this that we're happening now, somebody stood up and supported those people, how would mm-hmm. that change the conversation? So I, it's, it's definitely something right. to keep in mind. Uh, something Bill said today on his show really resonated with me, and I've already talked to him about it. Um, he said, uh, talking about, BlizzCon coming up, right? And how the guy with the red shirt stood up and was asking all these questions a couple years ago, and it's been a thing carrying on through. And he said, "Yeah, Blizzard, be better." And he he said that uh, um, somebody should make a shirt, so on and so forth. So I talked to him about it, and we've made that shirt. Tony P. Henderson's been working on that tonight. Uh, by the time you hear this, you'll be able to buy it. And it's just says Blizzard, be better, and you can get it in red, and you can wear it to the con. And we are vetting, in the process of vetting some charities that will support human rights, specifically in Hong Kong, but the proceeds from that shirt will go to support those rights. So if you go buy that, it's tiny.cc forward slash capital G-S-T-U, you'll be able to find that as soon as this publishes. And uh, he is doing a variant that all the letter lettering will be in the Blizzard font, because uh, he has to hand make it. But it, right now it's up there, and it says Blizzard uh, be better. Actually, it says do better, so i got to get him to fix that because uh, it's alliteration. Uh, he was right. Because I want to support human rights, and I also want to support conversations. And buying this shirt doesn't take away from Blizzard. It will help support an actual cause instead of just running your gums and saying, this is wrong, do something about it. So that's what we're going to do as a show and as a network. So on that note, I guess we're going to be out here. I, I, I didn't mean to bring it to a halt, but I felt it was important to, to say. Is there anything else y'all want to say about this topic or any other topic before we jump out? Nope. All right. Uh, Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitch and Twitter, at SoapboxGSTU. You can find me right here every week. You can find me every Sunday evening over at GSTU Media with Philip and Kurt, where we are the tres bromigos of the stream apocalypto. Uh, slightly branding. Uh, we uh, uh, this this next Sunday is going to be hype. If you've enjoyed us w- watching us play Sea of Thieves in the past, the new event just came out. Uh, the Fort of the Damned. The the new first of all a huge content dump. Uh, tons of new cosmetics and a major spoopy Halloween themed event at a fort. And the rewards for what you can get are off the chain. And uh, it's going to be absolutely insane. So I imagine we are going to probably get one of us killed, light our lantern in a special color, and head to the Fort of the Damned and try to do the event. And people are converging on people doing the events to fight them and try to steal the stuff and get all the awesome loot and the unique rewards. And it's going to be absolutely crazy. Uh, You can also catch myself with my partner in crime, Nicole. On the new show, Crash Test Pilots, you can find us on Anchor and Spotify and Apple and pretty much everywhere. Uh, episode four just came out where we covered Twin Peaks. Uh, so we've hit Dark from Netflix. We've hit The Boys. We've hit Gilmore Girls. Charles, you got to go listen to that Gilmore Girls episode. I'm gonna. You know I'm gonna. You better. And uh, we just covered Twin Peaks. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're... We're not going to stop anytime soon. We've got a lot in the pipeline that we're planning. Uh, we've gotten a few dozen listens already. I think we were up over like 30, around 30, 40 listens, which is tremendous yeah. in our first month. Like We're so grateful. Thank you to everybody who's given us a chance. Uh, if you haven't given us a chance yet, please consider us. You can also support us over at patreon.com slash pilots if you choose to. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Chris, how about yourself? 
Uh, you can find me on the Instagrams, on the Facebooks, on the Tweeters, um, <laughs> all at Kristoff <laughs> uh, Wisdom or Christopher Wisdom or in all things wisdom. Uh, type in wisdom and maybe I'll appear. And as always, if you roll a 20 while you're making characters and you want a stat to dump them in, yell wisdom and... <laughs> Dump all your points in that stat. How dare you steal my bit and then shit on it? I did it as good as you guys do it every Bullshit, week. Bullshit, you dumb you, fuck. That was botched quality right there. Yes, you certainly are. <clears throat> you can find me. I'm going to push my Instagram today. It's uh, Imaginary Nomad 1. I've been putting a lot of new uh, pictures up there, mostly over-filtered art shots of my son doing silly things. Um... And then also my personal Twitch page. On Tuesdays, we'll be doing a stumble through Hyrule in the morning from 10 a.m. to about 3 p.m. And then we'll come back and we'll be playing Outlast from 9 p.m. till midnight as I get scared stupid and uh, yell a lot of hate words at my computer. Uh, this last week, I got so scared, I tried to punch my computer. <laughs> so uh, check that out at twitch.tv slash imaginarynomad. Charlie? Well, you can find me streaming seamlessly on Monday nights, Borderlands 3 and Booze and Borderlands. Uh, but unfortunately, Philip is... Uh He's he's uh he needs some more patches. It sounds like Sea of Thieves is patching better than than Borderlands Three for I, him right I now. I show up for half the show. Yeah, no, well, you show up for the whole show. Your game shows up for three quarters, three quarters yeah, of the show. Yeah, but uh, it's it's a great couple hours of fun times, and uh, we actually centered our breaks around the time the game crashed, so that worked out nicely. And it's, it's an awesome time if you like uh, our kind of humor. And, you know, like we did some tonight. And my whole goal is to make Phil laugh. If I can make him laugh once or twice through that time, I've done my job. And uh, uh, we shoot face and we drink and we say things. So it's a lot of fun. Borderlands 3, that's uh, Booze and Borderlands on GSTU Media on Twitch.tv on Mondays. And then, of course, we are bringing this show live fairly soon. We haven't actually talked about a date. We we want to do it right. I know we all want to do it right. We want to get it good and flowing. But this will be live on Twitch on that GSTU Media soon enough. Maybe it'll be your Christmas present this year if y'all listen up well enough. So Rock Out of Podcasting all across social media. And you know, like I said earlier, sports show, patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel. Uh, we're on Anchor now and so you'll be hearing some ads in the, the free version of the show uh, that will help support us as well and just tell people this is where the conversations happen this is where you can have your voice heard you don't have to put papers over our motto we'll absolutely let you have your voice heard we may disagree and shout you down as we've done many many times but you'll at least be heard until uh, next time tune in to hear Chris botched wisdom say do you guys not have gross human rights violations <laughs> <laughs>